Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, fans. Welcome back to another episode of Large Almond Latte. I have got some mega news to share with you this week, and I am so excited about it. Move over, Rupert Murdoch, because Large Almond Latte is now a legit, bona fide global media empire. I've teamed up with her mum's favorite writer, Jess Taylor Yates, to create largealmondlatte.com. It's your one-stop shop for your brunch banter. So as well as the potty, you can now read and interact with even more low-involvement entertainment. We have got tons of articles and a newsletter that you actually want to subscribe to. Honestly, it's legit lols. Just like our podcast, the main thing about our website and newsletter content is that we want to get your opinion included. You can even write for us now. So keep chatting in the Facebook group and head to latchalmondlatte.com to find out how else you can contribute to the conversation. And also go there because we built the website ourselves because we're frugal and it took forever. So obviously we're also going to need some praise. Today on the podcast, after you visited latchalmondlatte.com, Two out of three millennials experience loneliness, so we investigate how to make friends as adults. And fans, you are absolutely elite in friend acquisition. Then, if you've been feeling particularly thirsty after 365 days, don't stress. I share seven more steamy films to get your peepers around while you wait for the sequel. And since I've brought Footloose into the conversation two weeks in a row now, I thought maybe I should give it a review. And just because I love pain, I review the remake. Fans, as a self-proclaimed Lazar Biatch, I am always looking to do segments that sit in my realm of forte in order to really, really minimize the amount of research required. And I thought adult friend making was definitely in that realm because in literally the most obnoxious thing I've ever said on this podcast... I have too many friends. In fact, I've been trying to get rid of friends for the past few years because having too many friends only leads to disappointment for them. Because I get invited to all these events, but I just have to decline because I just don't want to go. But I haven't shared them because I need that constant validation. I need the invites, the likes, the comments, the messages. I'm a superficial person, as you may have gathered by now, and those things really make me feel good. So no, I haven't shared them. Rather, I want even more friends. I know I I am a complete wanker, but like I said, I thought I was pretty good. But you fans are absolutely elite at making friends. And In all seriousness, the world needs your advice because two out of three millennials experience loneliness. We're really good at digital connection, but we struggle to make that real life connection. But you fans are brave and outgoing. And by the end of this, I assume we'll be rich in friends like Kylie Jenner is rich in money. 
Being time poor, very important busy people, as I assume we all are, the obvious root of least effort is the place where we spend 38 hours min a week in regular times. But making friends at work is totally industry and job dependent. For example, if you work in media and communications, you've hit the jackpot. It is prime picking for friends. Advertising, media, marketing, digital, PR, there's literally a rule that says you have to be female under 30 to get an account management job in those industries industries. And that's not a joke. I once had a boss in advertising who only hired girls straight out of uni for entry-level account management jobs because they were organized and diligent, whereas boys would question authority. Basically, we were good little workhorses with no professional self-esteem who wouldn't question the 16-hour workdays, which equated to a tidy seven bucks an hour. But it's all about balance, right? The young girls held up the entry-level end, while all the old white men hold up the C-suite end. Obvi. But also working in those industries gives you lots of clients and exposure to workplaces that are the equivalent of stale milk. Imagine like an office full of Trump supporters or game hunters or generally just a collective of people who are like black jelly beans. It's really hard to make friends there. Working in media comms is like going to a shopping center to find friends. You're spoilt for choice. But then working in these places is like living in a small town with only one country target to buy your clothes from. Rough. Then there are some people that are self-employed or working on the road where there's just not that option at all. So let's get creative. Join a cult. Okay, obviously, I don't mean like Jim Jones or Heaven's Gate cult. Like, definitely don't do that. I mean an exercise cult. And exercise cults are very specific. I don't mean join a fitness first and do a pump class because a pump class is like an overcrowded public school. There are just too many students for individual attention. If I'm going to a pump class, I am absolutely not going to make friends. I'm going to judge you and make a summation about your entire life based off your active wear alone and your ranking in the class performance, which I'm also definitely giving you. No, an exercise cult is much more boutique. You go religiously, but it's with the same group of people at the same time. Like F45 is a cult. As you know, I was a member of that cult. They even have 10 commandments and true to cult form, they're pretty aggressive. Personally, I didn't make friends when I was in the F45 cult because I was very religious and dedicated to the practice. I was there strictly to observe the faith, but Van Ambers made some of her best friends through her faction of the F45 cult. Van Ash joined a girls football team and Again, regular practice with the same group of people. That's 40 friends instantly. Bang. Pole dancing is another excellent opportunity for friend acquisition. It's regular classes in small sizes, so it's the same people. And fans, actually so many of you attributed this as a way to make friends. Fans Polly, Jess, Christina and Mia all said that they've made lifelong friends this way. Traveling is another surefire way to make friends. I think it's that same lack of inhibition that encourages you to get on the back of a random's motorbike in Mykonos and go with them alone to drink at their local, which you would never obviously do at home. It's it's that same lack of inhibition that allows you to talk to absolutely anyone when you're traveling. Top Deck Tours and Kentucky Tours are how Sasha has made some of her best friends. And yes, I know probably most of us are actually past the age expiry for those now. But there are also more mature age tours where I imagine your fellow travelers are those people who scream, Rob me, I'm foreign, with their khaki army pants, hiking boots and bum bags. But 
you know, I've done a mix of tours and non-tours and your friend magnetism is the same either way. Like I've made friends in gutters in Serbia. What was I doing there? Who knows? But I made some friends out of it. So it was beneficial. Mia and Lucy can also attribute to making some of their besties through solo travel adventures. For mine, I could never travel solo because I get lost going around the block. But again, travel solo, travel with your friends, travel the tours or not, I think it's that lack of inhibition that really sets you up. Plus, when you make friends that live in different cities, you get the bonus of being able to stay at their place when you visit their city. Frugal life. Woo! When you live somewhere permanently, it's a little bit different, obviously. You can't be a total loose unit because you're not able to escape any embarrassment or law-breaking the next day. Plus, you want to make friends who aren't fellow travellers and are around permanently. Fan Will recently told me about this new Australian movement called Only Friends. It's set up off the back of that two out of three millennials experience loneliness stat. And I really love this idea. You sign up at onlyfriends.com.au and based on your postcode, it sets you up for group hangs with a bunch of guys and gals. So it's kind of using a digital medium because everyone's digital these days, but it sets you up with people in real life. Speaking of apps, Jesse and Jess also both swear by using dating apps overseas, which I guess it does make sense because that's how 100% of new sexy time relationships start. So why wouldn't you use it for friends? So Bumble for friends is actually a real thing. And at first I was like, oh, that sounds really awkward because you're still essentially going on a date with someone. You're just guaranteed to pay for your own meal and not get any afterwards. But both of them rate it so highly. You can do it in groups like Only Friends, so it's totally not awkward. Jess said she used it in America and they would go to Korean barbecue and watch Batchy together and um, I am 100% sold. Jessie said that's how she made friends when she moved to London too. So Jessie and Jess might be using the dilated version of dating apps, but Fan Alicia uses the concentrated form. Straight up Tinder and fans, this story makes me feel about 45 years older than I am and I am absolutely living for this story. So Alicia has been in a row with Eddie for like ever and they've been married now for a year and Alicia uses Tinder to find girls and hook up with because they have an open relationship. So a few years ago, they had a threesome with this one girl and in classic Melbourne style, they invited invited her to brunch the following day. They got on so well that they've just been friends ever since. This girl was even their tenant for a while. I asked Alicia if they still hook up when they see her and she was like, no, like sometimes we have a drunken hookup, but it's more the fact that I really like this girl and now all three of us are just really good friends. And I just think that's so cool. Fans have a baby. I know that's like a very big investment (laughs) to get some friends, but honestly, it is guaranteed to happen because mother's group. I was absolutely terrified of meeting my mother's group. Like I was more scared of meeting them than I was about raising a child because honestly, raising a child is quite simple. Yeah. (laughs) Was that a more obnoxious comment than a too many friends comment? Yeah. Anyway, I thought they would all be mega rich, Audi four-wheel driving, nanny employing, Chanel toting, Botox flaunting, milfs. So like basically who I want to be, but it turned out they're actually just really normal, nice people. So now I have seven more friends that I didn't need, but I love having. 
Same with Fan Laura and Fan Polly. Neither of them really wanted any more friends, but they both really bonded with their mother's groups. Fan Evie just makes friends with mums at the park. And honestly, I do understand that because you don't have to be a mum to have seen children playing on a playground. And honestly, it's like not stimulating stuff. So that makes sense. Fan Bron has made friends with parents at school and I'm real sus on this because I've seen bad mums and being a parent at school looks just like being at school. There's clicks and competition. If you work full-time, you're judged. If you don't work full-time, you're judged. I see the school pickup as a job for my nanny that I will definitely be able to afford in five years because surely my life goal to be rich will be achieved by then. But also maybe because I'll be so rich, I'll be able to afford to send my child to the most elite private school and I'll make friends with other mums because they'll have school organized networking lunches for very successful, powerful, rich mums. Yeah, my dream is definitely going to happen. But Actually, you really don't need to travel or take up a hobby or have a baby to make friends. You just need to be open to making friends in any situation. Jessie, when she moved to London, would just ask people she worked with or ask people that she met on the street if they wanted to hang out. Zero social anxiety there. Then Emily, and love this for you, Emily, got stood up on a date and this absolute doll told her she looked lush. They chatted all night, exchanged numbers, went out for coffee the next day and became besties. Jess made speed dial level friends at a wedding, and I guess being lubricated definitely helps. Britt's dog had to go to the vet to get his leg amputated, and after approximately 4,324 visits to the vet, she's now besties with the vet, probably also because she helped the vet become a millionaire with all the vet fees. Lucy and Jess make friends with their friends' friends. They just like insert themselves into their groups and make people like them. And good for you, girls. And Mia is the most outgoing, brave fan ever. She thinks of old friends that she might not have seen in a while and adds them on Instagram, starts commenting on their pictures and then asks them if they want to hang out. If they do want to hang out, that's great. If not, well, then you probably didn't need to be friends with them in the first place. The hardest thing about making new friends is being open to it, especially if you're not overly outgoing or extroverted. But honestly, that's the common thread through all of these new friendships. It's being open to the opportunity and accepting the opportunity when it presents itself rather than denying it. Like, I don't know how many fellow drama nerds are out there listening to this podcast, probably zero because you're cool. But there is this improv game called Yes And. It's a partner game and the idea is that I say something something and then you you respond by saying yes and and you keep the story going. The number one rule is not to deny. For example, if we use Van Emily's story, I would say, "Mm, I just got stood up. And then you would say, yes, and such a shame because you look gorgeous. His loss. Then I would say, yes, and I'm out. I'm dressed. I'm going to have a drink anyway. And then you could keep the game going by saying, yes, and why don't you come and have a drink with us? Or you could deny it by saying, Yeah, cool. Good for you. Have a good night. Ending the interaction. Making friends is just like that. If you're open, there's opportunity literally everywhere. But if you deny, you're closing yourself off to that opportunity. Honestly, I am so philosophical right now. You should probably just call me Socrates moving forward. Unfortunately, Netflix doesn't have a thirsty genre, and since 365 days left us with a bit of a cliffhanger and gagging for more, I've pulled together some absolute thirst trap movies to keep you covered while you wait for the second installation of 365 days to drop. 
Below Her Mouth on Netflix. It's about an engaged fashion editor who has an affair with another woman before getting married. They literally meet in a club. It could happen to any one of us. And they hook up lots and lots. Honestly, the sex scenes rival that of 365 days. So I just feel like if you were thinking of having a same-sex affair before you lock it down, you should definitely watch this as a guide. Horns. This is on the free-to-wear TV app in Australia, and it's for all you Harry Potter frothers. Totally cooked plot, but plenty of Daniel Radcliffe sex scenes for you. So you can take a break from getting your kicks from your Harry Potter fan fiction for a few hours and get your peepers around this. Newness on Netflix. Two millennials, one of which is Nicholas Holt, aka Tony from Skins, and a pharmacist love a dating app hookup. They begin a relationship, a sexy, sexy relationship, which challenges emotional and physical boundaries. Eyes wide shut, an oldie but a goodie. Stanley Kubrick's last movie, which if you've listened to my conspiracy theories episode, you'll know this is the one where Kubrick tried to expose the lizard Illuminati rituals. But to the naked eye, it's just a bunch of masked orgies with Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. The Longest Ride on Foxtel. Scott Eastwood is the most underrated thirst trap of all time. He's like top five material. It's a Nicholas Sparks movie, so you know it's an absolute classic, but also fast forwarding to the shower scene would be acceptable. Magic Mike 1 and 2, both on Netflix. I'm sure both of them do have a plot, but I'm unsure of what either of them are. They're just really nice to watch. And last but not least, Cruel Intentions, because what's hotter than two step-siblings banging? After the death of his mother, big city kid and former gymnast, Ren McCormick moves to the most cooked town in the USA to live with his aunt and uncle. In Beaumont, Texas, dancing is against the law if you're under 18. You have to be home by 10pm and you better not play that darn music too loud because dancing is a sin and church is life. Sound familiar? If Texas is the Bible Belt, then Beaumont is the buckle. You will definitely not be surprised to know that Beaumont is based on an actual town in Texas where there is zero separation between church and state. I don't know who the actor is that plays Ren. I've never seen him in anything before, which is probably because he was the third choice. Zac Efron and Chase Crawford were both attached to this project before dropping out. So watching this movie is really like when you're out for dinner and your first two preferences are gone. Like there's no steak, there's no parmas. So you have to have this like overcooked salmon and packet steamed vegetables. Like it's okay, but you just know you should be eating something better. For visual reference, Ren looks exactly like a young Mikhail Baryshnikov. For those uncultured fans who don't know your Russian ballerinas, Mikhail Baryshnikov is also Carrie's Russian boyfriend in Sex and the City. But like, imagine him 40 years younger. So, Ren starts at the local high school and immediately spots the hottest girl in town, Ariel, aka Julianne Hoff, who I have never seen in a movie not wearing short denim shorts. Her daddy is the town preacher and she's going through, look, there is no other way to say this and I'm going to own it because we all go through it. She's going through her slut phase. You know, when you're like in year nine and you rebel against everything your parents say, you have real loose morals and the worst tasting guys, that's the phase she's going through. She's dating a dirt track driver whose name is Chuck and he looks like a walking STD and all round piece of shit guy. It's Friday night, so like proper Texas teens, they're hanging out at the local diner. 
but it's a dance movie, so they're having a dance meet, a very illegal dance meet. The dance style of choice? It's crumping. If you've seen Bring It On 3 with Hayden Panettiere, which I assume you have because that movie is elite, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. If for some reason you haven't seen it, the best way to describe crumping is very energetic body spasms. It's basically the dancing equivalent of poetry slam. And they dance like this to express their raw emotion, the oppression that they're feeling. The only one not dancing like this is, you guessed it, Ariel, who is grinding all up on Ren, trying to make her boyfriend Chuck jealous. Ariel's dad heads down to the diner to give Ariel some money to get some burgers and fries, only to find her dancing all up on Ren like he's a paid guest at Spearmint Rhino. He blames Ren for this terrible influence on his daughter and the dance meet is over. When they get home, Ariel storms upstairs and slams her bedroom door shut. She is so embarrassed by her daddy. Oh my God, I can't say daddy. It's awful. The next day, Ariel tells Ren to meet Chuck at the track at 2 p.m. And I'm like, oh my God, is this movie not PG? What is going to happen? Is it a good old fashioned Texas jewel? A dance off? A crumping dance off? No, it's not. Chuck wants to race school buses around the dirt track against Ren to, like, prove his manliness, I guess. Ugh, it's it's such an awful scene. They race. Ren's bus catches on fire, then breaks down, but somehow he wins. Chuck is filthy, and Ren is so sick of this town. He just raced a school bus against a complete deadbeat and could have definitely died, and now he has to appear in court because he was playing his music too loud in his car. He has to dance it out. So in the male equivalent of the most iconic flash dance scene, he combines his gymnastic skill and his newfound crumping skills to freestyle at his workplace, which is not a steel mill like it is in flash dance, but a cotton mill. But it's not enough. He doesn't get out the rage. He doesn't get out his emotion. So he takes Ariel and his new best friend, Will, aka Miles Teller, to go boot scooting in the city, aka the Redneck's Wet Dream. And honestly, this dance scene is the best in the entire movie, and it's line dancing. On the way home, Ariel opens up and explains the reason the laws are so tight is because three years ago, her brother Bobby was driving some seniors home after a night of debaucherous drinking and partying when they crashed into a semi-trailer and all five of them died. After that, Daddy Preacher enacted laws, because no separation between church and state, that prevented sin from entering the children of Beaumont. Ariel comes home late that night, past the legal curfew, and Daddy Preacher decides that's the final straw. Ariel is absolutely out of control, coming home past curfew, slamming doors. Daddy Preacher, who is played by Dennis Quaid, who honestly is the furthest thing from a preacher in real life, decides to have a chat with Ren's uncle because he thinks Ren is responsible for Ariel's downward spiral. But um, how does he not know about Chuck? He hangs around the teenagers like a bad smell and he's like 15 years older than him. He is not subtle. He tells Ren's uncle he doesn't want Ren hanging around his daughter because he's a bad influence. You know he's been in trouble with the law for playing that loud music. <laughs> Ren's uncle is like, mm, to be honest, I'd say I don't want Ren hanging around with your daughter because she's the bad influence. Ren's uncle is an absolute boss. He lays it to the preacher, despite the fact that preacher is basically God in this town. So then Ren's uncle obviously tells Ren about this conversation and Ren is like, are you kidding me? That's it. I'm done. He decides to petition the town council to overturn the rules about dancing. 
Ariel decides this rebellious behavior is sexy as fuck, even hotter than the unwashed NASCAR driver, and she breaks up with Chuck. Naturally, he takes it like a true wife beater and hits her. As he's driving away, she smashes his car, which really makes him angry, so he gets out and punches her in the face. Good guy. Ariel's back at church getting consoled by her mum when preacher daddy walks in and accuses Ren of punching her in the face. Honestly, how does he not know about Chuck? She gets super mad at this and tells her dad that she's not a virgin. He is furious and then he hits her in the face. So I totally get the dating Chuck thing now. It's total daddy issues. It's the day of the town meeting and the whole town comes to watch. Ren stands up and starts to plead his case for making dance legal. But Daddy Pastor shuts him down for talking smack. Because of course he's on the town council. He runs this town. But then Ren pulls out the Bible and starts quoting Bible passages. Now he's speaking their language and everyone understands what he's trying to say. But it doesn't work. They vote against him and dancing remains illegal. Ren's boss at the cotton mill is like, "Mm, this mill is technically outside the town, so you could have a dance here if you like, which surely he's known the whole time, so I'm not sure why he couldn't have said something like any time in the last two months. Maybe he just needed some entertainment in his life. After all, he does live in a small town with a permanent curfew and an entertainment ban. Ren's like, Thank you. That's such a kind offer. Definitely we'll do it. But because the pastor still runs this town, we still really need to get him on side. So he goes to the pastor's house and they have a DNM and absolutely bond, like they're best friends now. So then the next Sunday at church, Daddy Pastor asked the congregation to pray for all the teenagers going to the dance. So he basically gives them their blessing for the dance to go ahead. It's the night of the dance and Ariel looks stunning, hun. She's dressed for this 2011 dance like you dressed for your high school formal. Fresh tiger stripes in her hair, a side fringe with a half updo, but a nice big quiff at the front with curls, not beach waves. Her dress and her clutch have both been supplied by Supre's formal wear line. The dance is an absolute hit until Chuck and his dirty gang show up. You knew he was going to try and get revenge on Ren for beating him in that bus race and then stealing his girl. How embarrassed would you be? They try to fight real dirty with crowbars and one guy almost hits Ren over the back of the head with a rock, which would have made for a very different movie. But then Ren's boss comes out, lays it and they drive off. Then everyone goes back inside and all dance to full loose, full loose. All of a sudden, the whole town are actually mad dancers. When did they all have these lessons? Flips, break dancing, ballroom dancing, ballet. There is no crumping, thank God, because they're no longer oppressed. Everyone is happy again. Yes, the end. Mm, I just can't get past the fact that I could have been watching the love of my life, Zac Efron, in this movie. It just made it so much harder to watch. So I give it mm, a 6 out of 10. And now it's time for your weekly life changer. Every glass of water you drink is likely to contain at least one molecule that a dinosaur once drank. Thanks for listening to Large Arm and Latte. If you loved the podcast, a five-star rating and review would really help validate us. Large Arm and Latte exists because of your opinions, so keep sharing them in the Facebook group Large Arm and Latte, on the gram at Large Arm and Latte Media, and visit largearmandlatte.com to read, write, engage, subscribe to our newsletter, and generally get your peepers around even more brunch banter.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 